Hello and welcome back to our second episode in our podcast about psychotherapy from the grassroots level. Again, my name is Claire and I'm an integrative humanistic psychotherapist. After our first podcast last week, we had asked people to give us some feedback on their themes or suggestions or ideas around um, queries that they may have. And looking through the numerous um, feedback emails I got, um, and, I, and I thank you so much for sending in those emails. We really appreciate it. Um, one of the things that struck us very, very strongly was how many people wanted to know more about the inner child. So what we've decided to do is use this podcast and possibly the next one explaining the inner child and the workings of the inner child. Now I have to point out there are so many ways that 20 podcasts wouldn't cover it. So I'm going to maybe take four or five and then go into them in depth as much as I know about them anyway. Um, So bear with me. So, one of the major questions was, what is the inner child? The most popular meaning and understanding is that the inner child is seen as an individual's childlike aspect. Now, this does not mean childish. It means childlike. In the simplest understanding that I could come across is that it's part of who we've left behind. It is part of ourselves that we've actually left behind as a child. It is normally the part of us that has felt emotionally hurt or rejected or abandoned or not loved through different experiences. Because of the experience that we have been open to, it has caused us to feel hurt, rejected, abandoned, not loved. What does, what does the child do? The child puts away the experiences into the deepest recess of their mind. But emotionally, they're still active. And as we grow up, we have the emotions that get stronger and stronger and stronger. And they are normally negative. So for example, an individual who has been abused as a child can, and in a lot of cases do put away the deepest part of their into their minds the actual experience and details but who can and do often live by the emotions from the abuse as they grow up and into adulthood so for example an adult woman may not particularly like men yet not not entirely sure why or with men may dislike overbearing and strong women and not know why. Children who have experienced overbearing or controlling parents or who have experienced anger as the normal may in adulthood be more inclined to suffer from anger issues by taking it out on others as their parents did. Or they may even do the opposite and never show anger. And they may even 
because they've buried it so far down in themselves that they turn it on themselves which can be seen in self-harm or deep depression what i'm really trying to say is that as children we perceive things very differently to teenagers or young adults or elderly people because we don't have the vocabulary to explain what we're feeling and therefore we have to make meaning out of our experiences the best way we can. I'd like to share with you the more common experiences in childhood and how they can impact our adult life. But remember, I'm only taking four or five. There are so many experiences and perceptions as children that it's almost impossible. I would never even be able to cover half of them in 20 podcasts, never mind in just a short series. So, as children, we have to find ways of coping with emotions we don't fully understand or can we fully express. This coping can damage our ability to function appropriately or properly as we grow into adulthood. And one of the ways that we cope as children is to create a false self. And this we do as children because we want our significant adult to love us and to take care of us. And when we feel this isn't happening, we create a self that seems acceptable to that significant adult. And we bury or put away the very self that we feel is not acceptable. However, when we bury or deny or put away our real emotions and our real self, we actually lose touch with our true core. So we live our lives as we grow by pushing the false self. And as we do this over a period of time, we become afraid of dropping this false self, just in case that the real self or the core of who we are is unacceptable. Another coping method that we have as children is that we tell, tell ourselves that we don't have a choice, especially if we're a child that is reliant on the significant adult for our basic needs. Now with this method, it leaves us in a frame of mind of being a victim as we move into adulthood. So by the time we get to adulthood, we have now the thinking that leaves us behaving as though everything may be our fault, that there is something wrong with us, that nobody would like the real self if they knew who we were. Then you have where children have perceived anger in the home or in the family. We grow up thinking that anger is unacceptable and must be suppressed at all costs. However, as adults, we keep suppressing and showing any form of anger. It's not acceptable. It doesn't mean that we don't feel the anger. We just don't show it. And this can lead us to be passive-aggressive. The fourth coping method that I want to talk about is the feeling of being rejected or abandoned. It is when we hold ourselves back or avoid our true emotions. We don't allow our feelings or show our feelings in case that we'll be rejected again or abandoned again. So in the end, by the time we get to adulthood, we end up abandoning and rejecting ourselves and won't allow ourselves to truly live to our full potential. We become passive towards ourselves. In other words, I know what I need to do, 
but I just don't do it. Now, these are only some of the many ways we can hide ourselves. The areas that we hide in childhood now becomes the inner child as we grow, physically and mentally, but not emotionally. And it takes time and patience with ourselves to rediscover this inner child or this denied piece of ourselves, or what I like to call the excluded part of me, and to be able to reparent that part. And there is nobody outside of yourself that can reparent this inner child. And it is not like a, a light switch where you can switch it on and switch it off. It is a journey. It is a process. And sometimes it can be a very hard journey. Now, we were all children at some point. So we all have an inner child. However, most adults are not aware of it. And because of the lack of awareness around this, we are as adults unwittingly influenced by it. A lot of us in our adult self were not actually in charge or directing our adult life. But in fact, the emotionally wounded and charged inner child is. Here's a question that you might like to ask yourself the next time you're in a group of friends or even within your family. Stand back in your mind and look around you and ask yourself the question, is my present behaviour the adult me or the child me? You will be surprised at what you find if you're open to it. What I'd like to do is take each of these methods that we have created as a child and go through them as best I can. And if you have any queries or questions that come up, please feel free to email us and we'll answer them in the next podcast. Now, we may not finish them all today, but I will continue in following podcasts. So let's have a look at the very first one, the false self. So, as children, we create a false self because we don't have the emotional vocabulary, nor do we have the social support to help us to become independent individuals. So, we either do codependent or counterdependent form of defense. So, codependent is where we try to maintain our significant adult's conditional love. Whereas the counter-dependent is where we must protect ourselves from feeling that our needs are unmet. And we do this by creating a distance between ourselves and our significant adult. Now, because we do this, the true self, which is the integrity and the sense of connection to wholeness, gets pushed into the background and is hidden away. So that when we become adults and coming from this false self, we can have feelings of weakness and vulnerability with a very strong need to attach ourselves to those who may seem stronger and more capable than we are. But at the same time, we can and we do block the feelings of shame and anger that we had in the first place. In either case, we now, as adults, are not being our true selves. Because there is part of us 
in the shadows, hidden away. And it's so hidden that we're not aware of it. And when we do this, we leave ourselves open to self-limiting in our adult relationships. However, we do continue to monitor, just as we did as children, the expression of ideas, feelings and behaviour. And that's to ensure that we don't let the hidden self in. And to make it very clear, this is done unconsciously and without it being an active thought pattern. The other one I'd like to have a look at is the victimhood one. And here's a question. Have you ever behaved like a victim? Have you ever gone into victim mode when you have felt lonely or upset or needing comfort but not sure how to get it so you go into the victim? Everything is drama. Everything is somebody else's fault. You're hard done by. We've all done it. And we still do it. There are moments in our lives when we still do that. Now, there are three elements to this belief. Bad things happen. Others are to blame. And there's no point in trying because I'm going to fail. And now we can, we can all say that we've been there at one time or another. And at times still go into that space. Why? And where does it start? The simple answer is it starts when we were children. Somewhere along the path as a child, we were bullied. And it may not have been an obvious bully where it's physical. But it can be as subtle like somebody always wanting more of you than you can give. Which then makes us feel inadequate. And we're bullied. It is described as another person, be it another child or adult, deliberately and repeatedly saying or doing something that causes us distress, or when we're forced to do something against our will, especially when a threat of violence or intimidation is used. Now, of course, we all know the common types of bullying, but would you be surprised to know that the most common form of bullying is not physical, but verbal and social? For example, name-calling, spreading rumours and lies, teasing, leaving you out or excluding you. And of course nowadays we have insulting people uh, by email and blog and all the social media sites. Now we know that bullying can cause depression and anxiety, which can but not always leads to feelings of suicide. However, sometimes it does lead to suicide attempts and sometimes it can be fatal. However, we also know that being bullied on a, over a long-term basis can lead to physical illness, especially later on in adult life, when it's not dealt with or when it's hidden within oneself. Now, as, as children, we can come to the belief system that it's only what I deserve because I'm a bad person. Things only happen to me because I'm not good enough. And we can dramatise this victimhood in adult life. For example, I'm late again because my wife needed the car and I had to take the bus. Poor me. Or, wait till I tell you what happened to me today. And then tell something that is negative. 
it is where, as adults, we can be constantly negative and we cannot see happiness around us. The other method I would like to just look at briefly is about the passive-aggressive behaviour. People and adults who are passive-aggressive express their negative feelings very subtly through their actions instead of handling them directly. And this can create a separation between what somebody says and what they do. So for example, say, say somebody suggests a plan. The person with passive-aggressive behaviour may oppose the plan, but instead of actually voicing their opinion and saying, I disagree, they actually go ahead and agree with it. However, because they're actually against the plan, they resist following it or putting details into it or making sure that it works. And sometimes they can actually miss deadlines on purpose or turn up late to meetings or undermine the plan or the suggestion in numerous other ways. Now, there are a few signs of passive-aggressive behaviour. And these are bitterness and hostility towards other people's um, requests. And sometimes actually making mistakes or intentionally delaying something when dealing with another's request. Having a pessimistic or aggressive or cynical demeanor. Or, the last one of course is frequently complaining about feeling unappreciated or deceived. The problem that arises in adulthood uh, because of this behaviour, it can affect a person's ability to create and maintain any sort of healthy relationship. And this can cause numerous problems because we try and we try and we try, but maybe we don't really agree with the relationship in the first place. So what am I really saying about the inner child? The best way to explain the inner child is Ask yourself the question, what age am I when I react to something? And if it's out of proportion with the situation, I'm not an adult. I'm behaving like a child. And I need to look at that and find out what I have excluded in my life. What have I put in the shadows of my own mind? What happened to me? to make me act this way and as a finisher of today's podcast I'd like to say that if there is anything in these what I've spoken about today affects you in any way please feel free to email me um, at psychotherapyballanderry at gmail.com all one word all lowercase please feel free to ask questions it is completely confidential And I'll try to answer them as best I can. And if you have any suggestions or themes, but I'd like to continue along the theme of the inner child next week, looking at maybe how we can reparent. So if you want to give me a specific uh, situation, I can use it in the podcast. And we can tease it out. So please feel free. And thank you again for listening and taking the time to connect with us. Namaste.